Welcome to Beyond the Pen, the podcast that delves into the untold stories of emerging authors and the literary world. I'm your host, Maccabee Griffin, and each week I'll be shining a spotlight on talented yet undiscovered authors, giving them a platform to share their incredible stories and unique journeys that brought them to the world of writing. In each episode, we'll deep dive into the story behind the story, exploring the inspirations, challenges, and triumphs that have shaped our guests' literary careers, and have some fun along the way. From the initial spark of an idea to the journey of crafting and publishing their books, we'll uncover the secrets that make their stories truly special. But that's not all. Once a month, we'll be joined by an expert from the publishing world who will share invaluable insights and advice for aspiring writers, answering your burning questions, and demystifying the path to success in the literary industry. At Beyond the Pen, my mission is simple, to entertain, educate, and encourage the next generation of great storytellers. So whether you're a writer, an avid reader, or simply someone with a passion for storytelling, Join us as we venture beyond the pen and celebrate the power of the written word. I am back. I am back. I am back. And I have one of my very close friends, Miss C.R. Rice or Chelsea to many of you. Um, she is definitely someone that uh, I have grown to really enjoy having conversations with. And we have went on hours upon hours upon hours sometimes of just conversations. Um about not only just writing, but just the publishing world in general. And of course, you know, the nerdiness that we both enjoy having in our lives. Um, we are very much almost, we are very close in terms of what we enjoy. We've had conversations about anime. We've had, had conversations about uh, cartoons, books, yada, yada, yada. It's, it's all over the place, but there is an absolute reason why I wanted to bring her on here was because of the fact that she has a book called the realm series denial and the realm series in general, but we're going to be talking about the first book denial. And it is very much, um, a was, how do I want to put it? You know what? I'm just going to let her do it instead because I know I'm probably going to screw it up, but you know it'll be fine. It'll be fine. Hello. Hello. I got really nervous at those two pauses <laughs> of how you were going to describe me and then how you were going to describe the book. I was like, oh no. Oh no, 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 darling. No, darling. Simply. I do nothing but have wonderful thoughts about you and your book, and it's just glorious, glorious. Sorry. The See, I feel like I should have practiced accents. Like, I should have just, like, 
crammed BBC and like the Australian oh, version. Man. They just like come out. There, there's just so many different things that just pop out. Unfortunately, with me, it's just like it depends on what character just pops into my head. That one was George. It just one of the things that happens <laughs> multiple times. But you know what? We're going to get. We're going to talk about you. I don't want to talk about me. I want to talk about you and your book. So one of the things I want to talk to you about is, um, first off, please introduce yourself to our audience. And if you're willing, tell us something we can't really find about you anywhere that you're willing to give up. Okay. So I am C.R. Rice, or like you said, I'm Chelsea. Um, I write young adult, dark metaphysical fantasy that is super fun and twisted in a very fun way. Um, something nobody knows. Uh, I've been learning Japanese because I am too impatient to wait for the English translations of my manga. <laughs> so. that, that is a really good reason why. <laughs> Out of everything. I am I am so impatient. I am not a patient person, and translations take so long. So I recently started learning Japanese over the last month or so because I'm just like, this isn't working for me. Oh yeah, no, I I definitely definitely understand that one. Um, here's my other question because I really because I didn't want to do it because you know I love when okay. the authors really do this for me, but I'm going to give you a challenge. Can you describe your book to us six words or less? Oh, God. Okay. Let's see. Enlightening. Does it have to be a sentence? Uh, Are we going let's go sentence. See if we can do a sentence. Okay. Uh, a truly, a truly enlightening, dark, twisted experience that explains a lot that really does honestly <laughs> i feel like it, i hit all of the major points i kind of made it a sentence i'm pretty sure my editor would kill me for that yeah. sentence yeah but it's technically a that's sentence true. that's true you know you didn't you didn't use a lot of adjectives or you know there's a lot in there there's yeah. a lot in there pronouns no anyways <laughs> so <laughs> Let's get started on this journey, shall we? Um, first oh, off, yeah, no, so maniacal. <laughs> Anyways, um, <laughs> so let's talk about the world building first off, because I okay. want to truly get into the mindset of what makes Chelsea really click what does it make her tick what makes her just go oh okay i like that um so <laughs> normally i've noticed when i'm doing editing for books and everything like that um as well as just reading in general i've noticed that when people describe certain places some are very general mm -hmm. some of them have names you went the general idea of the the begin at the beginning of this town. Why general instead of giving it a name, or you know, was there a baseline of what this place was supposed to be representing in reality? So, 
In in the beginning, I kind of based it off of I, I really like doing general things. I like to give a few details to to get you to a place where you understand what isn't before you and where you're around. But one of the things that I always like when I read is I like to imagine that like maybe it's right mm-hmm. here. So maybe like this is all happening in my town. Maybe this is something crazy that I'm going to discover. So I based a lot of the detail off of um, a town I grew up in in New Hampshire and the little small town setting when when the the shadow was going through. And then the house that is described was this house that was at the end of the road that I never saw anybody live in, but it was just beautiful. It was just a very pretty, simple house. So when I write, especially, you know, before getting into the realm, I like to create a space where you can genuinely escape to. So it's not like, oh, this is in, you know, Washington. And you're just like, well, I'm not in Washington, but the way that I try to do it is I don't go into seasons, really. I go into like a feel of the air. So it could be any time of the year. It can be in any place. It can be in any town or city or anything like that to make everybody that reads it feel like they're actually involved. Okay. Yeah, because I was always trying to comp- contemplate how certain one certain authors will do the generalization and others are just straight up, hey, this is exactly what it looks like. This is exactly what it is. So now that you've generalized it and you've given us a little bit of an insight on um, what it was based off of, in your mind, when we're descri- when you're describing this town, what type of mm-hmm. town is it? Is it like a lumber town, lumber mill town, mm-hmm. a... Uh, tobacco town what what is it that really was its main product and why so, and why oh did it actually suffer so my the hometown that i grew up in 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 new hampshire it's actually a lumber town it is it's in the middle of the mountains like really, really close to the Canadian border. So the number one thing they do is they they cut down trees. And because it's so, such a small community, you have those like town centers and things. So it was a lot of fun. Ah, the problem like with the town now or the problem with the fact that I have to keep going back to that town in my books? Both. Which one are we weighing? Uh, let's... Ah. <laughs> I like to make it as difficult as possible with you. No, um, let, hey. let's, do, let's do the first. Okay, so the problem with the town now is it's dying. Right. You know, there's there's not a lot of need for those things. And and it's a town that was built on that. So you gotta start expanding and going out and because it's it's a dying town, there's not a lot of businesses mm-hmm. there. So I've actually used that when when venturing back into, you know, the realm and writing the books and things like that, when they have those pieces going back, because it as system of events always occurs in everything that happens. And so it's kind of playing off of the, like, you mess this Uh up. So it's going to ripple through. So I'm kind of taking it in. And what town isn't falling apart at some point in its history? You know, like maybe it's your neighborhood or it's your, the town itself. So I think that kind of helps it too. But I also do try to take in the parts, that element of it, which is why it seems so rural and, and kind of out there. Right. No, I, I definitely get that because, you know, as someone who grew up in a small town here in Indiana, it definitely feels like that sometimes. There's a lot of um, older buildings that are still around. 
Um, some of them are, mm -hmm. you know, broken down. They're just there waiting to be destroyed. Others, you know, they have some significance to the town. So they're trying to rebuild them just like, you know, in the book, there are points where they were mm -hmm. trying to remodel it to keep it survivable. So when we discover who our protagonist is, um, <clears throat> excuse me, she is obviously in turmoil because every year on her birthday, there's always some type of situation that happens because she's having these bad omens in her, in her dreams and stuff of that nature. Can you give us some examples of these bad omens that are not presented within the, <clears throat> excuse me, presented within the book? Yeah, so um, it started, there's actually a, a few chapters that we're taking out, which is, I'm hoping to do a re-release on the anniversary. Ooh. But so some of it was, you know, her 16th birthday, she she had no idea what she was and she went through her ascension. So she went from being this typical teenage kid to all of a sudden, like she can can manipulate the the water and the plants around her. And it's kind of, you know, it's like, if you woke up tomorrow and could do it, like you got to keep that down. Plus you're in high school, which is super stressful, already going through puberty. Like it's just mean. And That's nasty. true. That's very true. And then, you know, she, she started having the, the dreams of Silas and getting thrown into these different parts of the realm when she hit 12. So on her birthdays, it started um, as like these little sweet clips when she was a kid of, of potential uh, a tie in as being part of that realm. So she got these little glimpses of this beautiful thing. And then as she got older every year, those dreams got more vivid and they got stronger and they got darker because of the turmoil that the realm was going through. So every year, and then obviously, you know, you wake up, she didn't have sleep. And so, you know, she has this, this effect of it's already in her head. So she basically manifests it. She's like, Oh, I just had this. It's, it's my birthday. This is what's going on. So then it was just like a, a, a down spiral on her birthday. So she tries not to celebrate it. She tries not to do those things because it's like, she's waiting for that bad thing to happen. And then, you know, she hits 18 and voila, it finally happened. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, uh, these, I'm, I'm really glad that you were starting to to really express some of those uh, thoughts because when I was reading about her dream, I was like, my God, this would suck so badly to wake up to. <laughs> this would be one of those things like, yeah, I would be in, you know, sweating my behind off too in that bed. It was insane. So because it's her birthday, her friends, family are always coming in to trying to, you know, lift her spirits again they know this happens every year in some way shape or form i want to because one of them really interested me sarah um, because me and you are pretty close to sarah when it comes to when we binge watch or just continue to watch anything over time uh, that's a foreign language i.e british um we start to <laughs> really uh just talk in those accents. So I, I thought it was funny that Avery, who is the <laughs> protagonist, uh, was right when Sarah comes walking in, she's already got that British accent going on. And Avery just automatically mm -hmm. says, have you been watching British TV again? She's like, I'll pish posh. That being <laughs> that, I want to see if uh -huh. you can 
give us at least one quirk of some of the following uh, characters. Okay, just give us one little tip. Like, for instance, uh, Thane, what is one of his quirks? Thane's quirk. He has an obsession, as, as I'm sure you noticed, with pie being the greatest dessert in the entire world. And he destroys, like, he makes and breaks friendships on that principle mm -hmm. alone. And if you don't like, and he gets seriously offended. And it actually came from that's the way my husband is. If you say that you don't like pie, it will end your relationship. He will not talk to you if it's, it's really bad. Like he gets so obsessed and I was like, that can't be, that's not a character trait. And it is like, he genuinely gets upset. If he goes to a diner and there's no pie, like he will leave. Wow. That, that <laughs> is determination on that it, one. Okay. Yeah. So that is definitely, that's, that's things. If you don't like pie, it doesn't matter. You're okay. out. What about her mom? Like, her mom Oh, Karen, let's see. Karen has a, a tendency to be quite ditzy when it when it comes to like her kids are clearly dealing with some stuff and she's like, oh no, that's normal teenage stuff. That's fine. <laughs> she sees that her daughter is has clearly not been sleeping the whole night because she is fully dressed. And she's like, no, she just got up and got dressed in of her course. sleep. And it's just She's very she's she's very ditzy with the way that that she does things and she's very trusting and I think that's what really ties into it because she doesn't believe anything could possibly be wrong. Of course. Of course. So I everybody has a ditzy person in their life. I'm afraid to, I was about to say, I, I really don't want to ask which friend or relative you stated that one off of because I don't want to start any wars. Um yeah, we can't go that far. No one. I just came up with it off the top exactly, of my head. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. Final one. Um, Ragnar. What is Ragnar's quirk? Oh, Ragnar. <laughs> oh, this is fun because I actually just finished his novella. His is he is just over pessimistic. Mm. If anything can go wrong, it's like, oh, you know, we're going to go, we're going to go out to eat. He's like, nope, we're going to be attacked. We're going to be attacked in the middle of, you know, 2020 civilization out of McDonald's. And this is their, this is when they get us. Everything he does, he's just, he's ready and waiting. Oh yeah. Like when the, the tree snaps, he's got his sword out. He's like, this is it. I knew it was coming. And it's like, <laughs> the tree branch fell. It happens. Windstorm. You know, here here I thought it was that it does make sense though. Uh, but here I thought it was just the fact that he likes to have that little drink, that little nip from his uh, flask every once in a while. He does like <laughs> he does like to to partake in some beverages. Oh, yeah. Very much. Um, wasn't sure how how into things we were allowed to go as far as okay. alcoholic things, but yeah, Ragnar does prefer certain substances yeah he doesn't have a problem at all whatsoever um <laughs> okay speaking bleeding out oh no it's fine let me just take a shot exactly anyway. bleeding out it's fine no this is good speaking of mm -hmm. which i want to see if you could really um explain to us um what cultures or culture did you really um, 
provide us a sample of during the ceremony with this entering of the dark black smoke into this cavern to remove the souls of the dead. Yeah, so <laughs> I I really love Greek mythology and I love the the idea of having that like reaper come in from the underworld like Hades and in his wraiths and all of those that come in now gr- granted in, in Greek mythology it's quite dark <laughs> no not at all so not at all I know believe it or not they're kind of not nice to people even if you lived a good really? life really I know I know I just burst your bubble oh and it's gosh. just gonna ruin it is. your day it absolutely is I thought they were so loving <laughs> I thought they were I was traumatized as well. It was it was devastating. But <laughs> I I liked the idea of that atmosphere and having somebody go and and take them and guide them to wherever they're supposed to go, whether that's, you know, we're going to we're going to have a party as we go because you're a fantastic human being or you're terrible, so we're going to make this as miserable as humanly possible. I tried to take a little bit of everything. Like you know, from from the Greeks in the underworld style and having the Death Walkers who are a part of that to having just the typical Reapers that you read about in like the Celtic mythology and things like that. Taking the best of both worlds and kind of creating my own because this is a young adult novel. I didn't, which in some parts you wouldn't know, but I didn't want to go too dark at that point. I wanted to wait. Yeah, until you get in so you have, gen- you have a little gentle build-up so then you can prepare yourself like oh that one that was that was a little dark and then the next one is like nope this i should have expected yeah this. you don't want to traumatize the the youth that are actually reading this yeah. book you know too early on you know right absolutely not i gotta build of it up course, bit, exactly. you know like give them some time exactly yeah yeah when she means by time she means the next chapter um or the next yes. paragraph in some places um <laughs> So, yeah, because I really thought when I was reading, it was like, yeah, there's there's a little bit of like every Western uh, European culture within this. A little bit of the Vikings, a little bit of the Celts and the the Greeks, and some of the uh, Britannian per se. Um, yeah. So, I I wanted to uh, continue on that that thought process because there was something that that silas um stated uh within the book about how when we look at war when we look at battles many of these cultures especially back during the uh dark uh the mid middle ages the dark ages however you want to state it um War and battles were fought with honor. It was about the glory and everything of that nature. But it wasn't, they never said anything about, okay, what if you lose? What if, you know, you have your best friend right next to you? Next thing you know, he's not here. He's, you know, 300 feet behind you with a rock in his face, you know, or a bolt just under a boulder or something. Why was it important for you to, show this side of war that it's not all honor and glory that it can be destructive especially to young adults well so one of the reasons i try to take a different approach is because i wanted to stand out 
I didn't want people to read the story and go, oh, okay, the good guys, you know, whatever. It, that's not the case because history, a lot of times, and it's something that is a running theme through the realm is history is written by the winners. You don't know if they were the good guys or the bad guys. You just assume that what they did was right. And that's why they won. But a lot of times what is right isn't right for everybody. And that's something that I really wanted to make sure because everybody always looks deeper into books. And so if somebody did that, I wanted them to be able to look and realize that just because you don't seem like you should win or this doesn't seem like an option doesn't mean that you're wrong. And so, you know, as the realm is is undergoing this battle, everybody is fighting for something they wholeheartedly believe is right. So what makes, you know, Marcus in the shadow wrong and Avery and Silas right when they're fighting for a lifestyle that they want and they're doing the same? And there's not always honor. There's not always honor in war and battle. And at the end of the day, when you're fighting for your life, are you going to be like, hold on, let me get out my etiquette book? No, you're going to you're going to go and you're going to fight for your life. And that's, you know, what everybody in this realm is doing. Everybody is fighting for themselves, whether because they believe what they're doing is right. And so it's just a different view of there's no clear cut bad guy. There's no you know, it depends on which side you choose determines who the bad guy is. Yeah. It does. It absolutely does. Uh, Obviously being, you know, a veteran myself and seeing war, you know, being almost being blown up a few times, there is a different thought process to it when you see that, Um, when you can actually see the darker side of what happens, you know, it's, it's not the same. There is no honor. There's no glory. It's just death. It's just blood. It sucks. It is especially. You're losing friends your family, your everything. Parts. Um, but it, original, original parts. parts, yeah, the original parts. <laughs> um, but it does bring up the idea that we are really being realistic within this book because it is hitting on a lot of different things. Even, you know, him dealing with PTSD in some way, shape or form, especially mm-hmm. when Ragnar brings it back up, you know, he's just like, dude, you screwed up. Live with it. How is he dealing with that? So Silas is, it's very complicated. So I'm going to give a few little spoilers. <gasps> so Silas. How dare you? How dare you? My manager's going to kill me. <laughs> so um, <laughs> one of the things with Silas is one of the craziest things. I love mm-hmm. Silas when I was writing his character. The backlash from Silas from Denial was ridiculous. It was astounding. So I actually created Silas's story and I, I, you know, spend it out there and everybody's, you know, now everybody's like, oh my God, he's so amusing. (laughs) But Silas has, you know, as you read the book, you discover he has secrets of his own. He's, he's dealing with his own stuff and kind of playing three different sides of the Mm -hmm. field to keep Avery on a certain path. So I won't spill what that yeah. path is, but Silas grew up in war. He grew up in battles and having to make those decisions as a child and trying to, you know, he grew up in believing and being taught one way. And then when he hit the adulthood and was, was forced to make his own decisions, he realized it's not as clear cut. So for Silas, he's struggling with 
the the sins and atrocities he committed in the past while trying to fix himself. So he still goes back and forth because you can't just make the decision that everything's going to be okay and you're a better person and all of a sudden you are. It's a process. Yeah. And that was another thing that I was really trying to get across is that he's trying. He's messing up because you're going to mess up during that. But he's still trying to believe that he can be better than he is. So he's still struggling and having, you know, Radnar bring it up. And, you know, Radnar is doing it from a very positive way where he's just like, you do understand this is your fault. I told you not to do this. You thought you knew better. You had that that kind of ego to you. And then he just came in and was like, you know, learning to accept mistakes as a, a kid and as an adult is a very difficult thing to do. Yeah, because he really just does not want to accept it, especially at the beginning. He's he's like, mm -hmm. no, this was not my fault. It just happened, mm -hmm. but I'm going to fix it. We are going to win this. And he's just, there's a stubbornness to him that he just yes. has to learn the hard way until he loses everything. So mm -hmm. speaking of losing stuff and or almost losing things, what is the relationship like between Agnes and Ragnar? Because that relationship right there is it's kind of <laughs> interesting, especially at the beginning when he's when she's trying to uh, nurse him and he's just like pushing her off. And by the way, she's very feisty and um, I love her. Um, but at one point, even yeah. Silas says, you know, flowers is definitely not going to fix this one. You're going to have to do something. Else. <laughs> so what is their relationship really like? So Agnes and Radnar, you know, they get more developed through the, through the stories. They're a lot of fun. Like you said, she is so feisty, but so polite about it. Like when she slaps the armor, oh. that is, that is just, it's one of my favorite things that I've made her do where I'm just like, that's what you get. Cause you know, you, when you're an author, you're getting out your own personal stuff. Like that's what you get for not putting that scene. Oh yeah. So I, I go through and Radnar, uh, Agnes is actually Radnar's um, deceased wife's sister. <laughs> there so it is. They have, you know, they have that type of, of, you know, we were family for a short amount of time. They spent a lot of time in their childhoods together. There's may or may not be some type of crush on her yeah. side. And she's also trying to lead him because as we said, Ragnar's a little bit of a grump. <laughs> he, he has a little bit of a um, kind of like that get off my lawn grumpiness oh, to him. So she definitely yeah. pulls him out of it, tells him to straighten up. You know, you shouldn't be drinking when you're bleeding and he's like i'll stop drinking when i'm dead and you know they have their fun little little stuff so it is uh a interesting relationship that develops in a very wonderful way but she always keeps her snarkiness and she puts him in i love place. it i really do because she is definitely one of those characters that um everybody loves because of the fact that she can hold mm -hmm. her own especially like you said to the grumpy old man um and, and the <laughs> fact that they do talk to each other like they've known each other for like an entire lifetime almost like a married couple in a way like we're several or several in this case yes yeah, several um <laughs> so now it has come to the point in the show where we have a little 
pot that um, normally Marcella does, but again, she's her schedule's been all over the place and things of that nature. Yeah. Um, but besides your your husband, what other characters yeah. were based off of certain family members, friends, colleagues, things of that nature, and why them specifically? <laughs> The ones that won't, the ones that won't destroy you, your relationship. The ones that won't hunt exactly. you down. Um, let's see. Um, so Thane is is originally started. I had this friend for years when I moved from uh, New Hampshire to North Carolina. Uh, his name was Justin, and he basically became my older brother. And so that kind of relationship, the rapport that Avery and Thane have, the fact that you know Thane's always there for her, no matter what shenanigans she's getting up to, even when he firmly believes she should not be doing it. He trusts and respects her enough to be like, okay, when this goes south, like call me, text me, like I'll be there in a second. So parts of his personality was definitely based off of a, a friend of mine. And then there are other parts that come from, you know, actually me and my husband were friends for years before we were ever started dating. And so some of it is also from him, like the gruffiness, like that Justin was always sweet. He was nice. Like, he's like, it's okay, Chels, we'll figure this out. The parts of Thane where he's like, you're an idiot. Yeah, that's that's my husband. Um, as a friend, when I would do things, he didn't do the nice thing. He wasn't like, it's all right. You know, we can fix this. He was like, you're, you're stupid. Like, you do understand this happened because you made a stupid decision. Yeah. So... They're kind of a, a cross. Um, let's see. I didn't realize, but as as you know, my husband was going through. Apparently, Avery is a lot based off of certain personality things that I do, like Converse and, and graphic tees. Ninety percent of the time, that's what I do. Uh, the sitting on counters. I do not use chairs most of the time. <laughs> I just sit on tables and counters. And I I don't know why. It's just a habit. Ever since I was a kid, because I was so small as a kid, everybody always just stuck me on the counter. So. Avery has has a little bit of me in her, so I think. But I think all authors do that. You throw yourself into it. Are you laughing because I sit on counter? No, I'm laughing because I'm picturing the fact that you've been doing this the entire time because you were so small. And I'm wondering, is like, yes, is her husband still doing this just because he can, or is she actually doing it? He does occasionally. Yes, he does. If I am in his way, he picks me up and like sticks me on the counter <laughs> off to the side. Or if I'm already sitting on the counter, he just like scoots me to the side. But then when we have company over, he's like, don't sit on the counter. <laughs> like, don't tell me what to do. This is my lifestyle. It's pretty much like everybody already knows anyway. Yeah. So it doesn't really matter. He's like, you're going to see it at one point or another. Yeah. Like if anybody comes to my house, I'm sitting on the, like, we have chairs. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like we're civilized. But I just like, I'll stick my feet in the chair and then I sit on the table. Yeah. And it's, and he just like shakes his head at me. He's just like, <gasps> yeah, that reminds me of my, my seven-year-old. Cause he actually does that too. And I was like, my yeah. God, dude, you're the table or the chair is right there under the table. You have yes. a ball that you can sit on too, but you choose to like try to lay mm -hmm. like all over the table that we eat at sometimes. Um, uh -huh. I do the same thing when I write though. Like if I, if I, I'll, I try to start by sitting because I'm an adult. Now. Like <laughs> that doesn't I change anything. And I'll, right. And I'll be writing. And then like, he, he has pictures of it. Like he comes in and he's like, why are you laying on the table? 
why are you laying on the table? I'm like, I was just trying to like get this part worked out and it works better if I lay down. And he's like, why don't you lay down on the floor? Why are you laying on the table? Like I even move stuff off because he started putting like, you know, centerpieces and is like, ah, oh, this is here. She won't sit there. No, I just move them to the side. Yeah, he's trying to deviate you from actually continuing <laughs> this habit of yours. Yes. <laughs> okay. So besides that, we now that we've gotten that out of the way, um, <laughs> what is your writing kryptonite? What is your weakness? Oh, so easy to get distracted. Normally, if I'm if I am in the zone and I am, you know, laying on the table going, you know, crazy on my realm, the only thing that really takes me is if somebody touches me. It takes a lot for me to get broken out of like when I'm in the process. But if you touch me, it like I forget where I am and I forget that people are around. So like I've screamed before, like my husband, they'll tap me or like when my in-laws are in town, they'll like tap me and be like, hey, did you eat today? Because, you know, you get distracted. And like I've screamed, like thought I was about to be like murdered in my home because I didn't realize they were there. If I don't want to write literally the tree moving outside my window and I'm just like, maybe I should go like make sure that branches are going to fall. Ragnar. And then I'm Ragnar. Like, a little bit. Look. Yep, exactly. 100%. <laughs> Looking for a reason to not have to there deal with go. it. There you go. Okay. Um, when you're writing, what do you have the most difficulty mm -hmm. starting with? or having those difficulty developing over time? Is it the world building? Is it the character development? What is your, your weakest point? I think I really struggled in the beginning with conveying the scenes, like the, the battle scenes that I see in my head onto mm. paper. I never realized how hard it is to write a decent fight scene because it's just like, you know, do I, should I write that the rock moved and that's why he's going to trip in a little bit? Is that important? Does this sound, you know, make sense? Does it? And then when you read back through it, you're like, this isn't even what I saw in wow. my head. Like I don't, that is the hardest part for me. Everything else is, it's pretty smooth, uh -huh. but the, fight scenes kill me because I feel repetitive, but these are like elementals. So when you go through and you use it, there are basic, you know, movements that they do to make things happen. I'm like, that's too repetitive. I'm like, yeah, but how else are you going to have, you know, this thing fly through the air if they're not moving their yeah. arm? So it's. Yeah. For me. Fight scenes. Yeah. Fight scenes suck. They are, they are so hard to write. <laughs> uh, for me, it's honestly like dialogue which is hilarious because I talk to myself all the time in these characters' voices and I just need to like record. Um, no. Okay. So what is your strength? What is the one thing that you excel at? Chaos. <laughs> well, we know that. Absolute chaos. It sounds weird, but if I go, so I don't write in order. I don't even write the same book at the same time. I don't do anything like that. So if you give me some headphones and just tell me to like, give me a prompt or something, I can make it as ridiculous and chaotic as humanly possible. If you want to come up with some intertwining ridiculous things that you wouldn't expect to be the outcome, I can, I love puzzles. So that's what I, I knit through every bit of, of my writing is 
these little, these small little things that shouldn't make sense or you don't understand why it's important. And then the huge reason why that one sentence was so important. I really excel at creating chaos in worlds. It's probably good that I'm only an author. Yeah. Yeah. Cause yeah, we, we don't, I, I stay home. Yeah, we don't need you <laughs> near any of the uh, nuclear war buttons, the big red buttons. They... No problem. I wouldn't recommend it. I, I, you know, it's probably not a great idea, especially you know as you go through the realm and you see some of the rash decisions that I have have made these characters make. It's probably not the greatest. Idea. No, no. But I would be great at one of those little buttons that like. You know, you push to make sure that you can talk to other people. Those ones, are oh, bad. you can rely on. Oh either. Lord, give us strength on that one. <laughs> um, yeah, for for me, it's it's really I love to create the characters. I love to create the worlds. By the way, if you're an author and you need any help, I'm right here for you. Um, <clears throat> it's you. the best way of doing it. So, <laughs> okay. So, is there a quote? that really inspires you to continue writing? I always, um, I don't even know where it was from, but it's remember why you started. I don't know who said it. I don't know where I heard it. I have it on a, a couple different, you know, on my laptop, I have it in a, as a sticker to kind of keep me going and, and, use it on everything. If I start getting, it's my background. Like it's on so many different things because when you hit those slumps, like you do need that. And it's so mm -hmm. simple. It's so easy to remember that. Remember why you started. I use it in the realm because I actually put it in so that when I go back through <laughs> that, I remember why I'm putting myself through this nonsense. Um, but it's just, it's, it's like my driving five words. There you go. So final question. What is next for Ms. C.R. Rice? All right. Well, let's see. I am ending this realm. This realm is over. The last book is, is, is done. The next, there are 10 in this realm, sir. I don't know how much more I can do in this realm, uh, but all of the realms do intertwine. So I am torn. Do I want to do a dark detective noir for Enigma? which is going to be a super fun realm. Do I want to go, you know, sci-fi and do 42 or it's really hard. I think I might just do all of them at once. I might just there's like bounce around. It's hard sticking to one thing. There's that chaos starting again. It is, there, there it is right there. Yeah, yeah, it is. So it's been three years, same realm. I need something else to yeah, do. I understand. I completely understand. So thank you for being on here. Now it's the time for the shameless self-promotion point of the show. Tell us where everybody can find you, any events, anything that you feel like you should be telling people about. The floor is yours, madam. Okay. Well, I am on social media at author CR Rice on literally every platform. Super easy. You can go onto my website and order my books, sample some of the other books, which is super fun. It's authorcrrice.com. I have a bunch of the events that I'm going to be at this year. I am doing a book signing 
This weekend in Brandon, Florida, I am going to be a part of the pop-up bookshop and the GalaxyCon all locations. So we're going to be in Richmond in March. We are going to be in Raleigh in July, Austin in September, and Columbus again in December. So you'll have to come check out the pop-up bookshop because I will be there and we can say hello and talk about ridiculousness. Which is which is her same. favorite subject, by the way. <laughs> it is. <laughs> Thank you again for being on here. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. I always enjoy our talks. Okay, folks. Again, you need to go find her. Go to her website. Go follow her. Go to these cons. I assure you, for someone who's known her for a little while, you've had multiple, multiple occasions of these more these really ridiculous conversations that have led to just insanity. I assure you, you are going to have a fun, fun time with this. So if you are watching the video now, we thank you for show, watching this. Please go to beyondthepinpodcast.com. All of her uh, information will be in her profile. Uh, that's actually on there right now, if you'd like to see that stuff. It has her links to her books, her website. Everything you need to know about her that she's willing to give up is on there. You can also remember to go to Facebook, join the podcast fan page. We have fun there. People can go on there and have conversations with one another. Just have a nerdy ass time talking about books. Um, all of our web, our links and everything are on our website. Listen for the new episodes uploaded every Tuesday morning at 5 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. And of course, for those that are not watching this video, you can find us on Traverse TV on your Roku, your uh, Amazon Fire, Google Play, Apple TV is coming up, I assure you, and iTunes, and of course, the Traverse TV app. And of course, if you want to talk to me about uh, needing some coaching uh, on your writing or just someone who just will stick with you the entire time and help you to really understand the, and needs help with developing their characters or with the world building because again those are my strengths and i love doing those you can go to my website macgriffinvideo.com and you can hit, see some of my stuff i'm also an editor as well with uh, media casters so come join us have fun and like i always say keep inspiring keep writing and keep sharing those wonderful stories that you have out there I will see you next time. Hey folks, that's a wrap for this episode of Beyond the Pen. We hope you enjoyed listening as much as we enjoyed creating it. If you'd like to stay connected and up to date with everything Beyond the Pen, follow us on Twitter at Beyond the Pen Pod and Instagram at Beyond the Pen Podcast. For even more content and exclusive access to our guest profiles and more, make sure to visit our website at beyondthepenpodcast.com. 
Don't forget to join our Facebook fan page to interact with our favorite authors and fellow fans of the show. And if you want to take your Beyond the Pen experience to the next level, check out our selection of video interviews on Traverse TV's Video On Demand and Livestream. You can access these interviews through your Roku, Amazon Fire, Apple TV, Google Play, iTunes, or the Traverse TV app. So until next time, thanks again for tuning in and remember to keep writing, inspiring, and sharing as you go beyond the pen.